Welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show, one of the top five GDPR podcasts worldwide. Here is what's coming up in this week's episode. Welcome to episode 163 of the GDPR Weekly Show. And coming up in this week's episode, we have news of data breaches at the Ministry of Defence in the UK, which have potentially endangered the lives of Afghan civilians. Staying in the UK, we travelled to Stoke-on-Trent, where Stoke-on-Trent Council was at a data breach revealing tenant details. We then travelled to the Isle of Man, where Manx Chair has been served with a GDPR enforcement notice. We then travelled across to France, where shipping line CMA-CGM has had a data breach. And then to the USA, and particularly Alaska, where Alaskans are being offered free credit monitoring after some state data breaches. And still in the USA, we travelled to Illinois, where the state of Illinois has at long last apologised after a data breach. Then we travelled to South Africa, where credit reference agency Debt In has suffered a data breach. And then we returned to the UK, where the ICO has launched a consultation on its employment practice guidance. And then finally this week, we travelled to Germany, where German court has confirmed eligibility for GDPR claims for damages. So as always, a mixed range of articles for you this week. We hope you find the articles useful and informative. And as always, if you have any feedback for us, please do email us at feedback at gdprweeklyshow.com. We do read every single piece of feedback we receive, and wherever possible, we incorporate your suggestions for improvements into the show. Unfortunately, due to the volume of feedback we receive, it's not always possible to respond to each piece of feedback individually. And finally, just to announce that on Wednesday this week, the 29th of September, I will be speaking on stage at Olympia at the International Cyber Expo on the subject of GDPR in the post-Brexit landscape. At the end of this week's episode, you'll find details of how to obtain free tickets to the International Cyber Expo, and I look forward to welcoming many of you there. Want to ask GDPR questions live? Come and join our GDPR surgery on Clubhouse, Thursday, 4pm UK time. So we begin this week with news of a data breach from the Ministry of Defence, or in fact now two data breaches from the Ministry of Defence, both of which could have serious consequences for Afghans who remain in Afghanistan and who may be eligible to relocate to the UK. The first breach was reported in the national press last weekend and then it emerged earlier this week that defence officials found another breach where an email that had the email addresses and some names of 55 people which could be seen by all the recipients had also been sent. The recipients, at least one of whom is from the Afghan National Army, were told relocation officials in the UK had been unable to contact them and they were asked to update their details. The individuals affected have been contacted by MOD officials and offered advice on how to manage the potential risks. It comes after the Ministry of Defence launched an investigation on Monday to a separate data breach that led to the email addresses of more than 250 Afghan interpreters who worked for British forces being mistakenly shared. An email sent by the Ministry of Defence to interpreters who are seeking relocation to the UK asking for an update on their situation erroneously copied in all their email addresses which to be seen by all recipients showing people's names and some associated profile pictures. On this incident, an MOD spokesperson said we've been made aware of a data breach that occurred earlier this month by the Afghan Relocation Assistance Policy Team. This week, the Defence Secretary instigated an investigation into data handling within that team. Steps are now being taken to ensure this does not happen in the future. We apologise to those affected and extra support has been offered to them. Ben Wallace, Defence Secretary, apologised for the first data breach on Tuesday. He said an investigation had been launched and one official had been suspended. Wallace told the House of Commons that it had been an unacceptable level of service that had let down thousands of members of the armed forces and veterans. 
The former Conservative Defence Minister, Johnny Mercer, who himself served in Afghanistan, said he feared there could be further similar incidents. He said, I've been concerned from the start as to how these individuals have been treated. The whole thing was such a rush to the door when Kabul fell that these mistakes were inevitable. I personally think we've taken out people we really shouldn't have and failed to bring out the majority of those we should. I think we've only begun to learn the scale of what's gone on here. Many of the people who work with Western forces are currently in hiding in Afghanistan from the Taliban regime, who seized power in August as the West withdrew in the run-up to the 31st of August deadline set by US President Joe Biden. While more than 17,000 people were rescued by the UK, the largest refugee evacuation since the Second World War, Chaotic scenes at Kabul airport meant many of those who'd been, who had assisted British troops were left behind. It's turning into quite a year for data breaches at the Ministry of Defence. In June, the Ministry launched an investigation after classified defence documents containing details about HMS Defender and the military were discovered at a bus stop in Kent. And indeed, we covered that story here on the GDPR Weekly Show. These two data breaches perhaps show just how simple it is to make a data breach and indeed in our experience putting the wrong email addresses into CC rather than BCC on an email is by far one of the most common data breaches that occurs and indeed one that many companies don't even think to record in their data breach register but it also goes to show what can happen as a result of consequences of what in the face of it seems a very simple mistake. Because in this case, that simple mistake, or these two simple mistakes, have potentially put hundreds of people's lives at risk in Afghanistan. If we receive any update on this, either from the Ministry of Defence, or from the ICO, or indeed from Ben Wallace, the Defence Secretary himself, we will of course bring it to you right here on the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Remain in the UK, but to Stoke-on-Trent now, where 1,043 council tenants have had their data breach in an email blunder. The email addresses were leaked by Unitas, Stoke-on-Trent City Council's maintenance company, which sent out an email to customers on Friday morning to tell them that its online repairs portal was unavailable due to an update. But due to what it's referring to as a regrettable addressing error, the employee who sent the email placed addresses of all 1,043 recipients in the two address box, or the CC box, rather than the BCC box, meaning that all the addresses were visible to every person who sent the mail. A follow-up mail email was sent nearly eight hours later informing the recipients of the data breach and asking them to delete the original email. Unitas has apologised for the error and is now investigating how it happened. It's understood that the incident has also been referred to the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO. The email states, due to a regrettable addressing error, the email contained personal data, your email address, which should not have been distributed. Please delete the original email and all of its contents. We apologise for the error and can confirm that we are currently investigating the incident. While the personal data leaked was limited to email addresses, some contained the full name of tenants, and an email address are typically used as logins for various websites, tenants could potentially be exposed to hacking attempts. One of the tenants affected by the data breach said, I'm more annoyed by the fact they sent a second email asking people to delete the first email like it was nothing serious. Not to mention that my email address has now been sent to over a thousand people without my knowledge. Opposition Labour Group leader Jane Ashworth is calling for Stoke Council to review its systems and training to ensure the mistake does not happen again. She said, I hope that this breach doesn't lead to problems for council tenants in terms of their email addresses being used to gain access to their financial and commercial accounts. But the most important thing now is that the council reviews the training and technology around privacy. My gut feeling is this won't be a case of just scapegoating the poor woman who sent the email. 
This isn't just a mistake by an individual, it's a problem with the system. It shouldn't be possible to do something like this. If we receive any further update from Stoke Council or indeed from the ICO, we would just bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com To the Isle of Man now, and Manx Care has been hit with an urgent enforcement notice for failing to comply with GDPR. The complainant claimed that it had taken Manx Care more than four months to return their personal information. Manx Care has been served with an urgent enforcement notice for failing to allow someone access to their personal information. The report from the Information Commissioner, and it should be noted that the Isle of Man has its own Information Commissioner, this is not the ICO, it's the Isle of Man Information Commissioner, was sent on the 17th of August and came less than two weeks after the health body came under fire for its GDPR responses. Mainz Care is said to have taken more than four months to provide information requested by data subjects. Amongst several claims of errors in the process, the Commissioner says Mainz Care didn't undertake sufficient targeted searches and failed to take simple logistical steps in its response. It's requested that Mainz Care returns the information to the individuals involved as a matter of urgency. Further delay of more than 30 days, it adds, could cause the individual additional damage or distress. In reply, a Mainz Care spokesperson said, Manx Care acknowledges the urgent enforcement notice and confirm it has provided the required information to the claimant. French shipping company CMA CGM has issued a statement confirming that it has experienced a data breach. In the written statement, the company sought to downplay the significance of the breach and reassure customers after rumours of a second significant breach in the company's systems in a year. We wish to inform you that a leak of data on limited customer information has been detected during our surveillance operations, CMA CGM said. The scope of the breach was reported to include individuals' customers' names, their employer's name and their position in the company as well as email addresses and phone numbers. CMA CGM sought to minimise the reports of damage, telling customers that its engineers have discovered the security issues. They said that their teams have immediately developed and installed security patches. There are reports on the dark web, however, that the hackers would certainly a large release of data as a means of demonstrating the carelessness of corporations at protecting customer data and privacy. CMA CGM assured customers there was no operational impact from the current data breach. This is in contrast to an attack in September 2020 when CMA CGM was the target of a ransomware attack which the company initially said was isolated at regional servers but forced multiple applications offline. The booking, tracking, route finder, pricing and invoicing systems were all unavailable and it took the company two weeks to recover. If we get any further update on this from CMA CGM, we will of course bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Week Show. Want to ask GDPR questions live? Come and join our GDPR surgery on Clubhouse Thursday, 4pm UK time. To Alaska now, and free credit monitoring services will be made available to all Alaskans starting on September the 27th, following a cyber attack on the Department of Health and Social Services. Authorities said the attack is believed to have breached databases containing residents' protected information. Because of an ongoing criminal investigation, exact details of who's behind the attack and exactly what information was accessed is not being shared at this time, DHS Commissioner Adam Trum said on Thursday in a news conference. However, DHSS said databases accessed contained information protected under the Federal Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act and the Alaska Personal Information Protection Act. Federal law requires Alaskans to be notified when information may have been compromised. Crum said at a news conference beginning on September 27th that emails would be sent to Alaskans who submitted permanent fund dividend applications with instructions on how to apply for free credit monitoring. 
In a statement, the department said that the same day that a toll-free phone number would be set up to help Alaskans with applications between 5am and 5pm. It is the first statement to say that any Alaskan should have been compromised by this, Trump said. DHSS said the breach was conducted by a highly sophisticated state-sponsored entity and has retained the services of cybersecurity companies FireEye and Mandiant. According to DHSS, FireEye said the attacker was a highly sophisticated group known to conduct complex cyber attacks against organisations, including state governments and healthcare entities. At several points in the news conference, Crum said he could not answer certain questions about the identity of the attacker and cited the ongoing criminal investigation. Crum did say that cybersecurity experts believe the attack is no longer ongoing and that the attacker has been removed from DHSS systems. However, DHSS was forced to shut down its databases and revert to manual input of information, Trump said, which has been very time-consuming for its staff. Some DHSS databases have been restored, but the shutdown has led to large backlogs of requests for various vital records such as birth certificates and marriage certificates. The breach was originally announced in May when DHSS took many of its systems offline. DHSS is not the only State Department to be a victim of a malware attack. Also in May, then-Chief Justice of the Alaska Supreme Court, Joel Bolger, announced that the court itself was a victim of a cybersecurity attack. In December 2020, the Alaska Division of Elections announced it had been attacked and that potentially 113,000 Alaskans' voter information had been exposed. When we get any update from the state of Alaska, we will, of course, bring it to you right here on the GDPR Weekly Show. <laughs> Remaining in the USA and travelling to Springfield in Illinois now, 10 months after a data breach within the Illinois Integrated Eligibility System, IAS, the state is now acknowledging their mistake. In a statement, the state of Illinois said, Pursuant to the requirements of the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, 45 CFR sections 164.400-414, the Illinois Department of Healthcare and Family Services and the Illinois Department of Human Services, collectively the departments, in conjunction with the Illinois Department of Innovation and Technology, are notifying the media of an incident within the state of Illinois integrated eligibility system. IES. IES is the eligibility system for record of state-funded medical benefits programs, the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, SNAP, and Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. On November 24, 2020, the state discovered an issue within IES. Upon investigation, the departments discovered that household members who were once on a case and had their access removed could still see information even after they were no longer part of that case. This means that if the head of the household removed or requested removal of a prior household member from the case, the removed member still had the ability to access the case. The information that potentially could have been accessed in a limited number of accounts included system-generated notices and documents uploaded by customers. Depending on the individual case, the notices and documents may have included name, address, case number, social security number, status as a recipient of public assistance, name of dependents, birth dates, medical information and financial information. We don't know of any fraud related to this situation. In response to this incident, on January 8, 2021, IES was updated to limit case access to only the head of the household and prior and other current household members no longer have access. To date, the departments are unaware of any actual or attempted misuse of personal information as a result of the incident and the number of potentially affected individuals was limited. The departments notified the members of the Illinois General Assembly on July 29, 2021, the potentially affected individuals on September 9, 2021, and the Office of the Illinois Attorney General on September 10, 2021. The departments also provided the potentially affected individuals with contact information for credit reporting agencies and the Federal Trade Commission, as well as a dedicated phone line to provide assistance and further information. 
The assistance line is available until December the 8th, 2021. The department made the updates so that this does not happen again. The privacy of our customers and their families is of paramount importance. Want to ask GDPR questions live? Come and join our GDPR surgery on Clubhouse, Thursday, 4pm UK time. To South Africa now, and more than a million South African citizens have potentially had their personal data exposed after a ransomware attack at a debt recovery services firm. The company, Debt in Consultants, confirmed this week they had been the victim of a cyber attack which resulted in a significant data breach of consumer and employee personal information. More than 1.4 million South Africans are suspected to have been impacted by the incident after Debt IN says that their data was illegally accessed from servers in April this year. Compromised information may include customer names and contact details, employment and salary information and debt-related information, including payments and balances owed to Debt IN. The Durban-based company said the data leak only came to light last week with the discovery that confidential consumer data and voice recordings of tools between debt IN, debt recovery agents and financial services customers have been posted on hidden internet sites that are only accessible by a specialised web browser. Debt IN confirmed one of our partners alerted Debt IN to the stolen personal data files while doing a routine, highly focused sweep of data posted on the hidden collection of websites that can only be accessed by specialised browsers. The company was able to definitively confirm that the data was the personal information of customers on September the 17th. Following the discovery, Debt IN said it's working with authorities to rapidly gather facts, resolve the issue and provide ongoing information to clients. In a statement, Mark Essie, CEO, said... Debt IN deeply regrets this cyber attack and we apologise unreservedly for the inconvenience and anxiety this data breach has caused our clients and their customers. We are taking this matter very seriously in this age of highly sophisticated information and security threats and an estimated 17 billion cyber attacks around the world every day. Debt IN is committed to doing all it can to protect clients' information. We reiterate that we view this attack as the act of malicious cyber criminals. From the time this data breach was detected, our guiding principle has been to put our clients first and we will continue to do so. DebtIN also provided a guide for customers detailing what happened and future steps it will take. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. If you listened to last week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, you will know that we mentioned about the consultation which the UK government has launched into the future of UK GDPR. The ICO has also launched a separate consultation this consultation closes on the 21st of October 2021, into its guidance for employment practices. The ISO explains that they previously published detailed employment practice guidance, including the Employment Practices Code, Supplementary Guidance and the Twit Guide. Much of this has changed since the guidance was originally published, both in terms of data protection law and the way everyone works. The ISO say that they're planning to replace their existing guidance with a new, more user-friendly online resource with topic-specific areas. They want to make sure that their new guidance addresses the changes in data protection law, reflects the changes in the way employers use technology and interact with staff and meets the needs of the people who use their guidance products. The ICO is seeking input from relevant stakeholders, including employers, professional associations, those representing the interests of staff, recruitment agencies, employment dispute resolution bodies, workers, volunteers and employees, as well as suppliers of employment technology solutions. They will use the responses they receive to inform their work in developing this resource. They explain that where they use the term worker in this call for views, they are referring to employees, contractors, volunteers, gig and platform workers, as all of these relationships will be covered in the guidance. There are two ways to participate in the survey. You can either complete the online survey 
which you can find on the ICO website, or you can put in the Word document, which has the same information. And again, you can download the Word document from the ICO website at ico.org.uk. If you do choose to email in your views, then you should email them to employmentguidance at ico.org.uk. To Germany now, and the question of what is needed for successful damages claims under Article 82 of the GDPR. This is an aspect which continues to keep courts busy, not just in Germany, but across the EU. However, there is now some precedent which is starting to take shape. This was again recently shown by the ruling of the German Higher Regional Court of Brandenburg on the eligibility criteria for GDPR damages claims. The circumstances of this particular case were as follows. The claimant had their name and picture unlawfully published online, following which they claimed for damages under GDPR. According to Article 82, Paragraph 1 of GDPR, any person who suffered material or non-material damage as a result of an infringement of GDPR shall have the right to receive compensation from the controlled law processor for the damage suffered. However, the court rejected the claim and ruled that a claim for damages under Article 82 of GDPR can only succeed if there is concrete evidence of material damage, which was not the case in this matter at hand. Now, of course, this also is backed up by the case we previously reported here on the GDPR Weekly Show in the Higher Regional Labour Court of Baden-Württemberg and the Higher Regional Court of Bremen, having already considered that Article 82, Paragraph 1 GDPR claims for compensation require the claimants to show concrete evidence of damage. Simply making an allegation of damage is not enough. Nonetheless, the decision of this new court shows an increasingly clear direction being taken by courts regarding materiality of damage required to substantiate a claim as well as the corresponding burden of proof. Regarding the request for a preliminary ruling before the CJEU, the Court of Justice of the European Union, the court stated there is no need to refer the matter to the CJEU as the wording of Article 82, Paragraph 1 and 3, GDPR was clear. This position does not contradict the January 2021 decision of the German Federal Constitutional Court. Indeed, the question before the court related to whether or not the claimant had suffered damage at all, while the German Federal Constitutional Court, agreeing that the claimant had suffered damage, instead had to decide whether or not the material threshold for damages had been reached. While the CJEU's ruling on the request for a preliminary ruling by the German Federal Constitutional Court on a material threshold applying to damages claimed under Article 82 of GDPR is still to be adopted, the court's decision should be welcomed as it brings greater clarity to an area whose boundaries are still being explored. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com And finally, just a reminder that I will be speaking at the International Cyber Expo at Olympia on the 28th of September, so this coming Wednesday. It's not too late to apply for your free ticket to the exhibition, which is running alongside the International Security Expo, so you get two exhibitions in one at Olympia in London, and if you'd like a free ticket, then register now at https colon slash slash www.internationalcyberexpo.com forward slash register hyphen free hyphen passes. I really hope you do come along. And if you come to the exhibition, please do come along to the Global Cyber Summit stage at 2.15 on Wednesday to hear my talk on GDPR in the post-Brexit landscape. I look forward to seeing you at the exhibition and if you are a listener to GDPR Weekly Show please do come up to me afterwards and introduce yourself because it's always great to meet my listeners in person. The GDPR Weekly Show is an insurity production. Until next time, bye bye!